your spacious skies for Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida, USA. This is edition NWS 729 for release on Sunday, February 12th, 2023. On WaveScan today... One American shortwave station, two locations, three transmitters, eight call signs. Also, our Philippine DX report. Well, our opening feature in this edition of WaveScan presents a remarkable American story. It's the story of an American shortwave radio station that was owned progressively by half a dozen different organizations at two different locations, first in Texas and then in Tennessee. During its almost 40-year history, it was on the air from three different shortwave transmitters, and it was associated with eight different call signs. Those eight different call signs included three that were allocated by the FCC, three call signs that were projected, and two call signs that identified the previous usage of two of their transmitters. Ray Robinson now has our story. Thanks, Jeff. It was just before Christmas 1984 that a new shortwave station near Dallas, Texas, began a short series of test broadcasts from what was then a recently converted medium-wave transmitter operating in the 25-meter shortwave band. The shortwave station was KCBI. Its exact location was in open farm country, 16 miles east of Denton and some 35 miles north of Dallas and the 50-kilowatt General Electric transmitter model BT-50A was previously on the air in Los Angeles, California, under the call sign KPOL. Medium-wave radio station KPOL, with 10 and 50 kilowatts on 1540 kHz, was established with studios and transmitters at El Sereno, a few miles northeast of downtown Los Angeles, in 1952. The studios and offices for KPOL were subsequently reinstalled at 5700 Sunset Boulevard in Hollywood, though the transmitter site remained at El Sereno. Changes took place for medium-wave KPOL in California some 30 years later, from 1981 on, with new owners, a new program format, a new series of call signs, and a new 50-kilowatt medium-wave transmitter. The old 50kW GE medium wave transmitter was sold to the new KCBI in Texas, where it was re-engineered for use on shortwave. 
Ownership for shortwave KCBI was held by the Criswell Bible Institute, hence the appropriate call sign, that already operated an FM station with the same call sign, KCBI, at the First Baptist Church in Dallas. However, due to a shortage in funding, shortwave KCBI subsequently lay silent for five years, until ultimately it was sold in 1991 to an organisation known as 2IFBYC Broadcasting Corporation, located in Reading, Pennsylvania, for just $1,000. Programming was then under the direction of Dr. Gene Scott of the University Radio Network, and the new call sign for the lonely shortwave station in rural Texas was KAIJ, with the undisclosed meaning, it suggested, knowing all in Jesus. The country location of the transmitter site in a subsequent survey was listed as 301 Fields Road, Frisco, Texas. A second shortwave transmitter for station KAIJ was installed in the small country building in 1994, a 100kW Continental Model 418E that was slightly modified as 418U. Initially, both transmitters were on the air full-time, the new 100kW and the 42-year-old 50kW. However, as time went by, on-air usage diminished until the 100kW only was used part-time, with the 50kW operating as a standby unit. It was proposed at that stage that the old commercial TCI antenna system formerly used by KGEI in San Francisco might be installed for use with the 100kW KAIJ, though it was never installed. As time went by, ailing finances again intervened and on-air programming was curtailed. The station was then taken over by Peoria Broadcasting Services in October 2001, and it was managed and programmed by George McClintock of WWCR in Nashville, Tennessee. However, before we leave the scene in Texas, there is an interesting side note. When the shortwave station was on the air under the call sign KCBI, it broadcast a delayed relay of the early DX program from Adventist World Radio in Pune, India. The program title at that time was Radio Monitors International. The AWR studios were located in suburban Pune, and the broadcast from station KCBI was on the air under the auspices of Radio Earth with Jeff White. (laughs) The broadcast of Radio Monitors International via KCBI was on the air for a few weeks, beginning on October 13th, 1985. Okay, now we come to the move from Texas to Tennessee. The 100kW transmitter was refurbished and, along with the 50kW, both were reinstalled at a rural location near Lebanon, Tennessee, about 25 miles east of Nashville. At the same time, an additional shortwave transmitter, a 100kW Harris unit, model SW100, was also installed at the new station in Tennessee. That transmitter was originally installed at Anchor Point, Alaska for station KNLS, the new life station, in 1983, and a quarter of a century later it had been removed from service soon after a new unit was installed. The 27-year-old KNLS transmitter was then made available for installation with the new station in Tennessee. Initially, the new call sign, WWCV, Worldwide Christian Voice, was considered, and that was in 2001. However, seven years later, in 2008, when the move from Texas to Tennessee was becoming a reality, the call sign WLOF, as Leap of Faith, was considered. (laughs) 
A new licence for the station in Tennessee was granted on June the 30th of the following year, 2009, and the tentative call sign was WBWW, We Broadcast Worldwide. However, when the station ultimately began test broadcasts from its new location in January 2010, the call sign was WTWW, We Transmit Worldwide. This is the voice of WTWW, Lebanon, Tennessee. On February the 19th, 2010, the new WTWW officially signed on with a regular programme schedule at a temporarily reduced power. Then on March the 1st, 2010, full power was employed. Covering the planet with 100,000 watts of shortwave entertainment. You're locked in to 5085. WTWW. However, a dozen years later, on November the 9th last year, 2022, Ted Randall at the microphone announced that the end had come for shortwave station WTWW. He cited the massive increase in the cost of electricity as the main financial reason for closing the station. The final broadcast from WTWW ended with the rendition of America the Beautiful. However, beginning several weeks after WTWW went off the air, supposedly for good, it has since been heard with irregular transmissions of Pete Peters' religious programming on one of its previous frequencies, 5085 kHz. So perhaps it's been resurrected yet again. So as a summary, this has been the story of an American shortwave radio station that was owned progressively by half a dozen different organisations, It was on the air from two different locations, in Texas at 301 Fields Road, Frisco, and in Tennessee at 131 Hiwassee Road, Lebanon. It used three different shortwave transmitters, first the converted medium-wave GE 50 kilowatt, then the new Continental 100 kilowatt, and the used Harris 100 kilowatt from KNLS. It used two call signs in Texas, KCBI and KAIJ, plus, of course, the used transmitter previously installed at KPOL in California. It had three projected call signs in Tennessee, WWCV, WLOF and WBWW, none of which were actually used. And it had one real call sign in Tennessee, WTWW, plus the used transmitter previously installed at KNLS in Alaska. Back to you, Jeff. Thank you very much, Ray Robinson at KVOH in Los Angeles for that very interesting story. February 13th is World Radio Day. Proclaimed in 2011 by the member states of UNESCO and adopted by the United Nations General Assembly in 2012, February 13th became World Radio Day. The UNESCO website says that radio is a powerful medium for celebrating humanity in all its diversity and constitutes a platform for democratic discourse. At the global level, radio remains the most widely consumed medium. This unique ability to reach out to the widest audience means radio can shape a society's experience of diversity, stand as an arena for all voices to speak out, be represented and heard. Radio stations should serve diverse communities, offering a wide variety of programs, viewpoints and content and reflect the diversity of audiences in their organizations and operations. The theme for the 2023 edition of World Radio Day is Radio and Peace. UNESCO says that in reporting and informing the general public, 
Radio stations shape public opinion and frame a narrative that can influence domestic and international situations and decision-making processes. Professional radio moderates conflict and or tensions, preventing their escalation or bringing about reconciliation and reconstruction. Since wars begin in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be constructed. That is the reason why support for independent radio has to be viewed as an integral part of peace and stability. On World Radio Day 2023, UNESCO highlights independent radio as a pillar for conflict prevention and peace building. Here's Danilo Perez, a musician from Panama, with his thoughts on World Radio Day. My name is Danilo Perez, pianist composer from Panama, and we are here celebrating World Radio Day. Do not miss it. Radio is a powerful tool to change life. For me, the only way that I got access to a lot of jazz in Panama was through radio, actually. There were people who had a lot of recordings, but you couldn't go everywhere and get a jazz record. But radio really provided that vehicle for me. Radio not only showed me about the music, but also showed me about the endless opportunity that human being has to connect with each other. I used to listen to Vladimir Horwitz, and then go from that to Papo Luca, a salsa, and then from that go to Louis Armstrong and the same station. And from that to tango, to Brazilian music, to pop. When you hear somebody's voice, you're also hearing some melodies. You not only become a listener, but you also become active. Because in jazz, I feel that it's about not harmonizing notes, but harmonizing souls. I want to make it accessible for more people. I know the power of radio. When radio is used to change the thoughts that are going into somebody's mind, especially if you do educational programs, if you talk about great music, if you talk about great art, radio is a powerful tool to be the outspoken teacher that sometimes we don't have in school. Radio taught me that we're all united in the world. that was Panamanian musician Danilo Perez with his thoughts on World Radio Day. Well, if you're a regular listener of VoiceScan, you know that we've been presenting a series recently of uh, excerpts from a talk by Jerry Plummer, formerly the frequency manager at WWCR in Tennessee. Here's today's installment. Um, Jerry? Yeah. Since you were here yesterday, um, the, um, the panel on... Um how shortwave stations uh, survived the pandemic. Yeah. You, you want to take a couple of minutes and talk about yeah. the way those Yeah, we can talk about Did we just not, we didn't hit it yesterday because of timing? No, we did. did, okay. What did, uh, what, as a jumper star, what what were some of the points that come out of it that you said, and then I'll add some to it, you know, if you want. The, the question was, uh, were stations uh, affected 
one way or the, another by the pandemic, uh, good or bad, or, or just didn't make any difference. Right, right. Uh, tell us about your experience at WWCR, and we'll see if it, if yeah, it jives with everybody else's. Uh, with us, one of the things that helped us, in a way, was we had one one account that's uh, literally uh, a full transmitter, uh, Brother Stair. Some of you guys may have heard of him before. Uh, he would pay a year at a time in advance, uh, which is a pretty top sort I'd heard of, you know. Uh, but he had paid us uh, for a year, maybe a couple of months after the pandemic had started. So that gave us a cushion to ride on for there. And the next year he did the same thing. So it kind of gave us a cushion to ride on. Uh, our New Orleans office was able to do a uh, PPP, uh, which is the governmental things, you know, to make, basically cover labor. So we were able to get, uh, utilize a PPP, uh, to cover labor costs for the, uh, for, uh, well, for about two years. And that has recently also, we finished the paperwork and that's been totally forgiven. So that, that worked out. Uh, that's the second example of that that I've seen. Uh, the pandemic hurt a lot of places pretty heavily. Uh, my, uh, as a side to kind of tie this PPP, my girlfriend's a president of a call center. She's got like 200 employees, does about six million. And if it wasn't for the PPP of a little over a million bucks, they would have went bankrupt. But they were able to use it, uh, 100% on labor costs, just like WWCR, FW Roberts was. So the pandemic, uh, was the uh, PPP helped some too. Uh, those of y'all that know me know I'm an economist, professor, and I got mixed emotions. You do too, probably. I was glad to see WWCR and FW Robert get that money, and it kept helped to keep us afloat. I was glad to see that it was forgiven, as the way it was. But in a macro sense, I see that adding to the thirty trillion dollar national debt. So I've got some mixed sides that micro-wise I, I like that it helped us. Macro-wise I, I don't like that it added to the debt. Um, we also got creative in uh, uh, working with clients on payment too. Um, we sort of, as you know, i got an old uh, loan company credit background. We sort of set up sort of a uh, loan, loan arrangement with uh, certain certain customers that we knew paid good historically. But we went back to like a 50 to 75% but stretched the terms out. Uh, In effect, like a a loan, so to speak, based off of that. That helped. uh, And just really kind of beating the bushes for new business because we're just all for profit, so we have to dial up, you know, dial for dollars. We actually were able to find some companies that had actually had, had benefited from the pandemic. And some of those, not many, but some of those were able to be there. So a combination of uh, prepayment by one large account, uh, the fact that the second large account, Pastor Scott, always pays as agreed regardless. So two of those heavy payers were, were, were covered. The PPP covered uh, for uh, labor shortages that we incurred. And then we were able to pick up a few clients on the side that we didn't expect. And finally, we made sort of a, a little bit of a loan deal to kind of help the payments around. Uh, and, and it worked out by doing it with select customers, not at, at will. 
if you got a customer that pays good, just like at the loan company, if you got a customer that pays good, everybody runs into a little bad luck, you know, let them skip a month. We, we'll catch it up. You know, you, you paid as agreed. You've been a very good customer. We understand times are tough. Uh, skip this and we'll, we'll make it up. And, uh, we did not lose uh, a cent on any of those. So that worked out good. I guess those are the big things we did. What are some of the things that you just saw come up with yesterday, Jeff? Uh, most people here, except for, uh, for Cal from Continental, <laughs> most people said that, uh, uh, it, it either did not affect uh, the stations, uh, economically or, uh, Lauren was making the point that it was the best fundraising, uh, ever. Uh, I can say that. During yeah. the pandemic. And, uh, uh, and a lot of, uh, Broadcasters actually wanted more time. Yeah. Uh, because, and, and we found that, uh, listener response was, uh, improved, uh, uh, everybody, uh, because, uh, yeah. people were home more and they were getting out their shortwave radios that they maybe hadn't used for a while and, oh yeah. And new people were discovering shortwaves. So. I, I saw that too. We got, we probably got twice as many, uh, uh, responses as normal. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of that was the same people dusted off the shoreways or they're at the house anyway and uh, started listening again. And does that mean that maybe shorewave is slightly insular to uh, uh, to economic changes? I don't know. Maybe. The only one who uh, uh, saw a negative effect was uh, Cal Carter <laughs> from, from Continental because he had a couple of big contracts lined up with governments, I guess, and the government had to spend more money on uh, COVID uh, right. things, yeah, and and so they didn't buy the transmitters. <laughs> I could see that, but uh, it does make me think that shortwave might be somewhat insulated against economic changes because this last pandemic was about as strong as you get. Uh, has anybody noticed anything, any change with the inflation uh, in terms of? Uh, amount of donations that you may be getting or amount of, of sales generation. Have you seen any change uh, out of that? You think, Jeff? I haven't seen a great change. We had a problem at the beginning of the year. We still have it. The uh, electricity uh, from Florida Power and Light is going up 20% over the next four years, 5% per year. And the first month of the year, our electricity went up 20%. And the other 15%, it turns out, was a, uh, um, a provision that they can, uh, add a fuel surcharge. Oh, okay. And so since the price of, uh, well, the price of fuel had not gone up that much at that point, and I asked them, I said, uh, but gas was, was fairly cheap at the time. They said, no, we use, uh, natural gas. Oh, uh, okay. okay. And that price had gone way up, so we're stuck. <laughs> You know, being one of the things that uh, all of us shortwave guys think about when we think about DRM was one of the, one of its positive effects is supposed to be a great reduction in electrical consumption. And you hear that same thing today. We're talking about the increase in electrical prices, which is really going to force, uh, by definition, an increase somewhere along the line in terms of cost per hour uh, somewhere. And you were listening to Jerry Plummer there the frequency manager of WWCR in Tennessee until he passed away in uh, the middle of last year. 
telling the story of how they eventually acquired a transmitter from the Caribbean Beacon in Anguilla. Right now, let's go to Henry Umatai in the Philippines with his monthly DX report. Hello everyone, to our dear shortwave listeners, wherever you are welcome to the February 12th edition of the Philippine DX. This is report number 191. I'm Henry Umatai in Bacolod City, Negros Occidental Central, Philippine. Glad to be back and thank you for listening. I would like to thank our DXer friends for sending the reception report most recently. Mr. Toshiki Choboy in Tokyo, Japan, Mr. Richard Lemke in Alberta, Canada, and Mr. Jan Sakar Alvarez in Cavite here in the Philippines. To all of you, thank you very much. Reception logs for January 2023. January 2, KCBS Pyongyang on 11680 in Korean, Pram Kangchi. At 0806, SIO444, January 2, China National Radio 1, Voice of China on 11850 in Chinese, Pram Naning. At 0804, SIO444, January 2, KBS World Radio on 9570 in Korean, Pram Kim Jae. At 0814, SIO433, January 2, KBS World Radio on 7275 in Japanese, Pram Kim Jae. At 0815, SIO444, January 22, China Radio International on 15560 in Chinese, Pram, Shenyang. At 0804, SIO333, January 22, KNH World Radio Japan on 15280 in Japanese, Pram, Yamata. At 0808, SIO555, January 22, Hope Radio on 9965 in English. Pramidorn Palau at 0821 SIO 343 January 22 China Radio International on 11955 in Filipino Pram Kunming Aning at 1220 SIO 444 January 22 Voice of America on 17720 in Chinese Pram Odentani at 0910 SIO 454 January 22 Radio Farda on 17530 in Persian Pram at 0913, SIO 454, January 22, China Radio International on 15210 in English, Pram Kuning Aning. At 0919, SIO 555, January 22, Radio New Zealand International on 13755 in English, Pram Rajitaki. At 0921, SIO 555, January 22, Voice of Mongolia on 12085 in Mongolian, Pram Ulan Batar. At 2347, SIO 434. January 22, KNLS on 9680 in English from Angkor Point at 1027. SIO 444. And January 22, Transworld Radio KTWR on 11965 in addition primary so guam at 1034 sio 555 send us your comments suggestions reception logs and informations to pilipinasdx at gmail.com that's p-i-l-i-p-i-n-s-d-x for pilipinasdx at gmail.com this has been henry omadai for wavescan in bacolod city negros occidental central philippines in mabuhay at maraming salamat po thank you henry
And we end Wayscan today with the song called Tennessee by Jimmy Martin. Thanks for listening to Wayscan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week on Wayscan, 100 years with the BBC in London and our regular DX reports. Wayscan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam, AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in California, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone.